Hi, my name's Amber. I'm a Reiki master and a shamanic practitioner. And this podcast today is on the process of shamanic healing and slowly, gently looking at soul loss from a shamanic perspective. And I often get asked, what is shamanic healing or uh, whether someone feels that a shamanic healing would be appropriate for them. And that's quite a difficult question to answer, really, uh, because the process of a shamanic healing and our, and our calling to shamanic work, it will be a very personal one and one that will be very much defined by the life that we have led and the expectations that we may have around healing itself or the life that we want to lead. So the purpose of this podcast really is just to share a few very general outlines on the process of shamanic healing, perhaps to demystify it a bit, maybe take the fear element out of it that some people can have, a fear of the unknown, and to just give a bit more explanation around the concept of soul loss as I understand it from the shamanic perspective that I operate with um, and have experienced in my own personal journey. So... The thing, the main thing, really, I feel to to remember with shamanic work is that it is very dependent on the individual who is carrying out that work. This is because shamanic practices, shamanic work, don't really have a um, uh, a singular way in which they are performed. Uh, shamanism is our oldest form of healing. In a sense, it's our oldest form of connecting to something that is greater than us. Uh, for, from a very uh, early point in our history, man connected to his environment, the land, the elements, the sun, the moon, the planets, and found a way of healing himself through his connection with the land and the world in which he lived. Um, and it is this belief system that has infiltrated into various forms of healing that are very dependent on the land that you may find yourself on and the healers that are from that land. Uh, sh the, the shaman is one who sees in the darkness and so really it is about being able to see into different worlds, different levels of consciousness, uh, being able to see through the illusion or through the veil, as it is sometimes called. And really what the shaman is doing is accessing different levels of consciousness to come to a better understanding of someone's state of sickness or illness or dis-ease. Uh, because everything is spirit in shamanism, everything has energy, everything has a life force, therefore everything is is part of the healing process. One can communicate with the trees, the land, the animals, the birds, and therefore one can also communicate with the spirit, the energetic imprint of an illness or a disease or an emotional uh, wound um, or experience that we may be carrying within us. That is my understanding uh, of, of how the process works. Um, but obviously, shamanic practices are very much dependent on the culture in which one may find oneself in. So the shamanic practices, say, in Mexico are going to differ to those in Peru, are going to differ to those in Siberia, are going to differ to those in, in, in the UK. Um, but every land has its own indigenous uh, form of healing, its own indigenous form of connecting to the environment and to something greater than man, the great spirit, the divine, the universe, the cosmos, whatever your terminology is around that. I don't follow a tradition. I believe that traditions are those that are passed down to us, either by our ancestors or those that we may have initiated with. However, I have worked with teachers from different traditions and have then gone back to the spirit world, have gone to my spirit teachers and asked them how I can best facilitate 
someone who may come to see me for a healing. So all my practices have come directly from my connection to the spirit world, not from another human being. Although at times I have sat in circles, obviously, with human teachers that have given me very uh, practical physical world um, uh, practices that are able to assist me with the work. But ultimately the, the, the work of the shaman and, and uh, resonance of shamanism is that we go to the spirit world to find uh, our truth for knowledge, for information and for healing. And that is through a form of something called shamanic journeying. Shamanic journeying then is about accessing an altered state of consciousness, sometimes through darkness, sometimes through singing, sometimes through rattling, and sometimes through the, the repetition of uh, a drumbeat. And in this altered state of consciousness, one is better able to access uh, information about someone who may be seeking healing. Uh, traditionally, one would journey to bring information back to one's community, asking questions like, when is the best time to plant crops? Or how can we heal someone that has a sickness? Very practical questions. So how uh, some shamanic practitioners may work is to go on a journey before actually meeting with a client to find out the nature of this person's illness and how they can best assist them. But not every practitioner works in that way. Um, I... I'm simply going to describe to you how I work. Um, that feels the most authentic thing to do here. And then you can feel into whether my uh, connection with shamanic work is something that calls to you. But please remember that every shamanic practitioner will have their own way of working. There is something called core shamanism. And core shamanism basically has distilled the practices of many, many indigenous communities into uh, the core elements of what can make up a shamanic practice. And some of those core practices are, for example, journeying to gather more information, uh, something that is called soul retrieval, something that is called power retrieval, and something that is called spirit extraction work. Um, so all of these elements may take place in a healing. To start from the beginning then, why might you want a shamanic healing? Why do people come to a shamanic healing? In my experience, people come looking for a shamanic healing because no other form of healing has assisted them. Because they feel lost or disconnected in some way. Because they are holding on to a traumatic experience in their life which they cannot seem to let go of. Because there is some form of dis-ease in their body which no other form of alternative healing or possibly even traditional healing has assisted them in releasing in any way. Because they feel a really strong pull to it and they don't know why. Because they're intrigued by it and they'd like to try something different. There are many reasons why people are drawn to shamanic healing. But often it is because there is something intractable in them that they are looking to heal and nothing else has been able to assist them up until that point. Sometimes the misconception can be with the shamanic healing is that we go for this healing that is perceived to be incredible, incredibly powerful, which it can be, and it will transform our life and our life will be different and better. And then off we go and we live our lives and job done. And in my experience, that's not how healing works. It's a co-creation. The shamanic practitioner is simply holding space for you, for you to, uh, to engage in the healing for you to take ownership of the healing. So in my experience with shamanic healing work, it's very important that we have clear intentions on what we want out of the healing, but that we also actively engage in the process. For me, that active engagement is through the process of ritual. And I'll briefly touch on that when I talk about the process itself. So the process itself then, uh, and again, this is how I work, works in this way. 
someone is feeling called for a shamanic healing. They go online, they do a Google search, they ask friends, and they find names of shamanic practitioners and they get in touch with them. Now, each healer is going to work in their own way, but were you to contact me, this is how I work. Uh, after the initial contact would be made between us, depending on what you're looking to heal, we may or may not meet for an initial consultation so I can take a little bit more history from you and get a clearer idea of what you're looking to heal at this time. It takes the element of surprise out of everything and it means we can be a little bit more... Um, focused on what it is that you want to heal but I don't always do an initial consultation. Then with your permission I will undertake what um, I call a, sh a shamanic diagnostic journey, other practitioners call it a diagnostic journey as well or just a shamanic journey. Basically what's happening in that is that I am gaining guidance from the spirit world on your behalf with your permission of course and I'm asking what does this person need to heal at this time how can I best assist them? And anything else I may need to know. That's what I ask. Those are the three questions that I ask. I also ask a fourth question, which is, am I the most appropriate healer for this person at this time? Obviously, there are healers that we're going to resonate with more than others. And therefore, I feel it's important that there is clarity for me uh, in terms of my spirit guidance uh, as to whether I'm able to best assist you at this time. Sometimes the mix of energies between healer and client isn't always great, or sometimes the way that a healer has of working is not necessarily going to be in the client's best interest. Ultimately, of course, if we're drawn to a healer, there's a reason behind that. Uh, and so that's important that that's honored as well. So the journey then is is uh, is me listening to the drumbeat. In the drumbeat, that takes me into an altered state of consciousness. In that altered state of consciousness, I am better able to access the spirit world and to ask these questions and to gain, gain guidance from my spirit teachers, those uh, in the spirit world who assist me with this work. And there are uh, specific teachers who assist me with this work. I then make notes on that diagnostic journey. I don't interpret it. Uh, it's just a, it's a stream of as I'm being given information, I, I, I record that. That journey is then shared with the client who has approached me in a confidential email. Often, in fact, pretty much 99% of the time, I'm given rituals for someone to undertake before the healing. Uh, sometimes I am told that it's not appropriate to see a, a particular client. It's very rare when that happens, but when it does happen, I do share that very openly. And sometimes I'm given other options. I'm told that a shamanic healing wouldn't be appropriate, but they may be able to see me for some other form of healing work. Uh, or there may be other healing modalities that they might want to consider because a shamanic healing might be too much for them at that time, too visceral, too physical, too emotional, or they're simply not ready for it. They're not open enough to go to those places to allow that healing to happen. However, should the answer be yes, then the rituals that I'm given uh, are, are about starting the healing process. And ritual, as I understand it, is very much part of the healing process. What ritual does is it is the bridge between the physical world and the spiritual world. So with ritual, we do something in the physical world that has an energetic and a, and a, and a spiritual uh, resonance to it. And what we do in the in the physical world will will be matching our intentions for what we want to happen on an energetic level as well. What it shows is our commitment to the work, that we're not passively waiting for healing to happen to us, but we're going to take ourselves out of our comfort zone and undertake a ritual that's going to take time and effort and energy. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful way to step into the work, and it means before actually meeting for a shamanic healing, the healing is already starting. 
uh, in my belief anyway, the healing starts from the moment we have that awakening in us that we want to heal. So everything after that moment becomes about the process, you know, the healers that we meet, the synchronicities and so forth. But how it works through me is that I will be given rituals and um, these are rituals to start the healing process. So should we decide to work together, I then share these rituals and the rituals are most definitely to be honoured and undertaken before the shamanic healing itself. The healings themselves last usually up to three hours. Occasionally it's slightly less than that, two hours, but no less than that. Um, so they're pretty extensive and they require a deep commitment um, on my part and obviously on, on the client's part as well. And, and it's intensive work, you know, those three hours are intensive. What happens in the session then is that initially we talk through the rituals, we might complete some of the rituals in the space, and then we go into the healing work. Now the healing work uh, is often divided into various sections. The first part of the healing is what's known as spirit extraction work or extraction work, which basically means clearing our, our energetic field of anything that's holding us back, any gunk, anything that isn't ours. Um, often when we're not in our power, when we're depleted or tired or we've been having um, quite a d stressful time in our lives, we're more likely to pick up on things um, and, and uh, in a sense, intrusions. And what that means is, you know, other people's thought forms that we've picked up on, um, any kind of negativity, any, uh, any gunkiness, any heaviness that we might have picked up on through our associations with others, through the diet that we have, the lifestyle that we lead, through addictions perhaps, um, through the environments that we may work in or live in, um, through our own thought forms. Now, shamanically, anything that uh, anything has the potential to be an intrusion, i.e. a thought form can be an intrusion. So if you send a negative, as in a not a very loving thought form to someone, that's an intrusion. And it can be felt uh, like a, a, a physical intrusion in one's energy field. Similarly, if we're having thought forms like that about ourselves, you know, we're not saying very loving things to ourselves, we're harming ourselves, we're, we're kind of in, intruding on our healthy energetic field with, uh, with negativity. But also just being depleted by life can deplete our energy field and mean that we're more likely to pick up on other people's energies or, or pick up on what's out there in the mass consciousness. So really spirit extraction work is about clearing all that, clearing our energy field, bringing us back to neutral, bringing us back to our centre and our truth. Sometimes the spirit extraction work can also involve what's known as psychopomp work. Um, psychopomp work is about releasing any trapped spirits, so those that are between worlds. Say someone uh, someone passes away and their spirit doesn't leave this physical world, their spirit is trapped in between worlds. And that can happen if um, there's a, a sudden death or um, a traumatic death, or sometimes because loved ones don't want to let go of the memory of someone who's passed on. And it's, and it's as if that spirit is attached to us. And when that happens, there can be a depletion in our energy field. We can find, find sometimes that it's very difficult for us to let go of the grief of that person passing. Um, and, and that's a depletion. So there can be some psychopomp work that's involved as well. But at its simplest, because I don't want to get too technical about this, um, it can create sometimes even more uh, mystique um, and lack of clarity. At its simplest, spirit extraction work is about clearing us of anything that isn't really serving us at this time and just uh, taking us back to neutral on an energetic level. The second part of the healing then is what is known as soul retrieval work. Now, soul loss occurs when we suffer any kind of trauma in our life. 
Um, it could be anything from the breakup of a relationship to the death of a loved one, to an accident, um, to any kind of abuse that we may have suffered, um, to you know, an, even an argument that we've had or a, a form of shock. Um, anything that, that will cause a part of us to jump out of us, to escape the trauma, the fear, the intensity of that emotion at that time. So it's a form of disassociation, in a sense. And when that happens, it's as if we're miss missing a part of ourselves. And we're missing a part of our power, of our truth, of what makes us complete and whole. And because we're then missing that part of ourselves, we might then try and, and, and replace that, that or fill that um, emptiness in us with other things. Because we're not always aware that we've just disassociated, that we're missing a part of ourselves. So we could try and fill that gap in us with addictions or with other people um, or with ways of being that aren't necessarily healthy. But ultimately, when soul loss happens, often people will, will say that they feel a sense of emptiness or they feel incomplete or they feel like they're not in their body um, or they feel a bit spaced out uh, or they feel like they never really recovered from an event or they feel like they're stuck at an age, perhaps. Um, and so it can be any kind of trauma that we've experienced. And traditionally in indigenous communities, if, say, someone has an accident, you know, they 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 injure themselves or um, they experience a, an intense emotional experience that causes them to, to to have grief or loss or pain in some way. And community would gather around and and instantly do a healing. And any part of them that might have escaped would be brought back, and they'd be brought back into their power and 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 the and instant healing would happen but we live in very quite disconnected cities and often you know something happens we have an accident we break up with someone someone dies there's absolutely no time to process that to to really grieve that to have any healing around it because we have to be at work tomorrow we have an appointment we have families and we we soldier on um believing that you know time will heal and everything will be fine but nothing is actually being done to to really remedy to heal that event that's happened in our life and so over time that soul loss can become bigger and bigger and bigger in a sense, and we may tend to give away more of our power. That depletion just grows and grows and grows. And so that's why often when people come for shamanic healing and they haven't done any work, say any kind of healing work or spiritual work, they can be quite surprised to know that, oh, it's not just one healing that's going to um, rectify everything. If we've never done any healing work, if we've never been aware of soul loss, if we've never done anything to really look at those those grief, griefs or those traumas in our life, then um, then one healing isn't going to fix all of that. If we think about all the years that we've neglected ourselves, we'll need to at least put in a fair number of years to start healing ourselves. And so it can take quite a few shamanic healing sessions to call back all those parts of ourselves. If we've lived for 40 years, and in those 40 years, you know, say 30 of them were traumatic, and in 30 of them we never really did any healing work, that's a lot of years of healing that we're expecting to happen in, in one three-hour shamanic healing session. So that's something to bear in mind. So in the soul retrieval work, those parts are being called back. But of course, those parts that are only ready to come back will come back. And they come back because um, they come back on the premise that, that we are now going to live a life that shall honor them. And also, we won't put ourselves in that situation again. We won't allow that level of trauma to happen again. So not all soul parts come back in one healing. Um, the third part of the healing could be what 
is sometimes known as power retrieval. And again, power retrieval is similar to soul retrieval. It's just it's bringing back lost power for us. Sometimes it's about connecting us with a source of power, and perhaps connecting us with a power animal or um, or other some other frequency of power. The thing with power animals, as I understand it, is ultimately it's the divine, it's spirit coming to us in a form of an animal. You know, we might we might see a power animal in a dream or a journey or a guided meditation, and it is the it's it's spirit saying that we need something in our lives that that is housed in the essence of that animal, um, and it, that animal has some medicine for us. And so we we work out what is the medicine of this animal, and that's the power then that we are infused with. So, so some of the healing can involve some power retrieval work as well to bring back some strength and some grounding into our lives. And then the healing is just rounded off with some in- integration work, just sealing all the energies in. Now, during that work, during the soul retrieval work, often there are rituals as well that are part of the soul retrieval work to really honor the healing that's taken place. So rituals to do after the healing. And if any of those rituals are, are, are given as information while I'm doing the healing, then I share that after the healing has taken place in the final part of the of the three-hour session. And that then is how a healing session works. The first part is looking at the rituals that may have been set before the healing. The second part is the healing itself. And then the third part is is coming back after the healing, talking through the experience and actually looking at any rituals that may have been given now to do after the healing. How many shamanic healing sessions a person needs, I think, varies varies very much in terms of where they're at and what they're looking to heal and what expectations they have. But on the whole, two to three healings in a year is more than enough. How it works with shamanic healing is it's such intense energetic work that really we need a quite an extended period of time after that to integrate all the changes that might slowly start coming into our life because we are changing. You know, our world changes because we're changing, our inner world is changing. So it's not really recommended to have a, you know, have 10 or 15 or 20 shamanic healing sessions in a year. I think if you're having a healing and then expecting everything to be magicked better the next day and then think, oh, it hasn't worked, I'll go for another healing, you might end up overdoing it, really. It's better to go for the healing, honor the rituals, and then just let things settle and see what starts to shift and change in your life, what realizations come in. Um, and these realizations are things like, you know, knowing that, we want to be with certain people or not with certain people or we want to live a certain life or we want to change our life or you know live in a certain way that we haven't been doing before what do we say yes to what do we say no to it's these subtle changes that start to alter our lives it's the healing starts when we leave our practitioners uh, when we leave the healing space it's it's just the beginning it's just the door opening when we're actually in the healing session with our practitioners that's some of how shamanic healing works. Um, my biggest advice with it really is that if it calls, it calls and to trust that it's calling for a reason. With anything like this, if we try and get bogged down in understanding it through intellectually, mentally, we'll just get confused and it won't make any sense. And so I think it's something that we need to feel with our hearts. If a healing modality calls to you, it calls to you because a part of your spirit knows that this is right for you. If you sit down now and try and understand it logically, it's going to make absolutely no sense and will probably create anxiety on some level. However, it is good to know what the session may involve. Some people need to know and some people don't, but it can be useful to know that that, that what you're undertaking is profound work, and that there, there are stages to it. Um, and how you can be the most empowered in those stages and also be the most actively engaged. 
If any of the work calls to you, then obviously you can have a look at my website, which is www.sacredspacehealing.org, www.sacredspacehealing.org. And there is a section under the healing section there that is on shamanic healing, and I give a bit more information there about how I work. Um, and it's it's worth just feeling into whether this form of work really calls to you. But hopefully some of what I've shared very briefly may demystify the process a little bit, um, allow you to feel into my energies and feel into the energy of the way I work and see if that is appropriate for you. There are, of course, other shamanic practitioners out there who work differently, um, and it is it is right, um, it is empowered that we find the healer that feels the most... Uh, the most suitable for us that we feel the most resonance with. So I hope that's been of some assistance and, uh, and thank you for listening and until the next time. So it is, and so it shall be.